Glory to God. Would you get out your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew? In this church, we are going through the entire book of Matthew on Sundays. We just started last week, so if you are new to the church, you can join us right now. And Lord willing, for the next how many years it takes, we are going to go verse by verse through this book. And our young people on Fridays are going to be going through the book of John. And by the way, when I preach to our teenagers, we don't preach to them like kids. I preach to them like I preach to you. So you can find all of our messages on metropraise.org. And as you are sitting here right now, we are streaming live across the web to who knows however many people. Last time, 400 people last week watched the show from wherever they were across the world. Can you give the Lord a hand clap for that? Amen. So metropraise.org has the live webcast. Uh, Bob, when you go back to California, you can visit us there. All of our sermons are there. This sermon will be posted there uh, this week. And we have live webcast shows on Tuesday and Thursday, just where I'm sitting in my office there at my house answering questions. So many opportunities for us to grow in the Word. Are you in the book of Matthew? If you're there, can you say, I'm there? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it doesn't matter what pastor says. It only matters what Jesus said. Now look to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got two of them. And they generally stink. So Jesus is who we listen to. Amen. You see, this church is not about my opinion. People can say, Pastor, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Well, I think we all should be millionaires and live in Disney World. But what does that mean? Amen. That doesn't change anything. I think we all should be able to fly like pigeons and go up to the top of the Sears Tower and look at the beautiful skyline. That's not going to mean anything. Today, we have not come to Peter Pan make-believe religion. We have come to the truth of Jesus Christ, and we have come believing him that he has eternal life for us, and obeying him on this earth blesses us not only here but up there. Amen? It's all about him. When he walked this earth 2,000 years ago, he was a revolutionary. He changed the world in which we live in today. Time now is based upon his birth. Before Christ and after Christ, after death, A.D. and B.C. Because of the gospel that he preached, his name is the most popular name in all of the world. You can go anywhere in the world today and say the word, uh, word Jesus and people will know who you're talking about. That book, the Bible you're holding in your hand, is the most read book in the entire world. Now, today, more people across the world are becoming Christians than any other religion of the world. Amen. Somebody say amen. That's Jesus right there. He's all right. Amen? And the thing that you learn about Jesus is that every other religion wants him on their team. Hindus want them on their team. They call him an avatar. That means an incarnation of Krishna. They believe that Jesus was a good man, and he was God, a God-man, but he came from Krishna. The Muslims, the Islamic faith, believes that he was just a prophet, but he was a prophet and a good man. The Jewish people wait for a Messiah to do exactly what this man did. Buddhists believe that he was another Buddha. Everybody wants Jesus on their team, but when you learn about Jesus, he plays all by himself. He's on a team all of his own. Amen? He didn't want to be on Krishna's team, Buddha's team. He didn't come to unite the world in one religion. He came to be the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. Period. Amen? Now, what you're going to learn as we study today and study all the Sundays to come, Lord willing, is that this man today is the most misquoted and misunderstood man on our planet. Some people want to paint Jesus to be Barney. 
as if Jesus' number one goal of coming down on this earth was to give every one of us the American dream. You would listen today to most pastors on TV. Not all TV pastors are bad. We are on TV as well. But listen to me. You listen to most TV pastors. They want his message to be get rich, enjoy life, have a happy life, and then die and go to heaven. But that's not all he talked about. He talked about hell. He talked about repentance. He used to get on religious people and tell them that they were worse than children of the devil themselves. Hello. And then some people want to make Jesus out to be as if he was always angry with people, always condemning people to hell. No, Jesus forgave prostitutes. Jesus allowed demon-possessed men to get saved and preach his gospel. So there is a balance between this idea that Jesus loved the whole world like Barney and he was trying to damn the whole world to hell. I think the real Jesus is right in the middle. Amen? He came full of grace and truth according to First John or John chapter 1. Now, this is where we are in our story. In Matthew chapter 4, we are now going to study what was the message of Jesus. We're right at the beginning of the book. You haven't missed much. The beginning of the book is the Beatitudes, his birth, or rather the begots, how he came through the line of David, then his baptism and temptation. We've already talked about that last week. You can catch up. Now you're going to see what Jesus preached. How many want to know what Jesus preached? Can you say amen? And let's see if your pastor does a good job. Now, I know a lot of people say, don't judge me. And there's some truth in that. I'm not to judge you according to what I think your hair color should be, what kind of clothes you should dress. But how many know we are supposed to be judged according to Jesus? So now judge me to Jesus as I judge you according to the word, especially me as a pastor. As we learn today, what is Jesus' message? Ask yourself this question. Has Metro Praise taught me Jesus' message? The books that you are reading from various pastors and watching on TV, are they teaching you Jesus' message? How many want to hear his message? Can you say amen? All right, look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, get rich quick, and here's seven steps to being a better you. Is that what he preached? Now, aren't there some preachers known about that, preaching a better you and seven steps to a better life? Is that what Jesus began to preach? Why are we preaching another message? That's my question. Look what Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Today I should be able to end the message and just say, let's all go out and do that. But I want to add to this today because this church of America is in so much of a mess, we don't even hear that message anymore correctly the way Jesus Christ himself taught it. You see pastors having homosexual relationships, snorting crystal meth, and we don't even hear anybody talk about repent. You see famous pastors come up on TV, and I, if I can talk about pastors, you know I can talk about your neighbor, but I'm just going to talk about pastors, amen? I'm just going to put it on us to so look at your neighbor and say, you better watch out. Pastor's coming after you too. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about pastors because we're the ones supposed to be living it all the time. We're supposed to be one of the representatives of Christ. Woman stands up, says, I've been divorcing my husband, and she just keeps on preaching. No talk of repentance. Now, Jesus, from that time on, 
started to preach repentance. That's his message. Everything you're going to learn in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as the Beatitudes, come from the message of repentance. This was his first message. This was the foundation for every other message. If you couldn't understand this message, you would not be able to understand all the other messages he was talking about. If you can't understand what it means to repent and get ready for the kingdom of God, you wouldn't understand how to sow your, your seed and give, and it would be given unto you. You wouldn't know how to give tithes and offerings. If you don't understand repent, a person wouldn't understand how to love their neighbor as themselves, how to pray for their enemies. You understand, this message was the foundation message for every single other message. Every person had to come to this message first before they could deal with the other stuff. And as you begin to read this whole book of Matthew for 24 more chapters, that's how he breaks it down with everybody. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I want you to back up to Matthew 3, a chapter before that. And I want you to learn about this character, John the Baptist. We talked about him in our youth group Friday. The message is on the internet. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 is the story of the last prophet of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. Now look what John the Baptist came doing. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Wasn't well, that something? Isn't that something? Here the last prophet of the Old Testament, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then Jesus takes the baton and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at what the apostles preached. The first message of John the Baptist was repent. Everybody say repent. The first message of Jesus was what? Repent. Now let's see what the first message of Peter the apostle was on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, and the word Acts is a word of a verb action, and it means acts of the apostles. You are now reading what the apostles did. The Gospels are the story of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record Jesus and, and, and his training of the disciples. Now you see the acts of the disciples. What was Peter's first message? If you're in verse 38, can you say I'm there? Peter replied, what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all for whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. How many want to see 3,000 get saved? Amen? And Peter said, repent, and he warned them. Now let me ask you a question. If Peter, 2,000 years ago, was warning people to save themselves from their corrupt generation, how much more do you think we should warn people today to save themselves from this corrupt generation that kills babies in abortion clinics, has gay and homosexual parades up and down our streets, puts filth on the entertainment, pornography on the web? Are you all listening to me? We need to save ourselves through Christ, through this wicked, corrupt generation. So I'm going to keep preaching now. Somebody say, repent. Now look to Acts 17, verse 29. John preached repent. Jesus preached repent. Peter, the first preacher of the New Testament with the Gospels, I mean, after Christ preaches repent. Now Paul, who writes three-fourths of the New Testament, let's listen to what Paul preached. And then ask yourself a question, is my pastor a good pastor? 
And then ask yourself, am I representing Christ right? Am I living like John the Baptist? Am I living like Jesus? Am I living like Peter? Am I living like Paul? There's no other examples, amen? That's it. It's, it's Jesus, really, is our main example. But everybody else we're talking about, that's it. That's the whole New Testament right there. You're either a disciple of Christ or you're on the other side of the line, amen? And there's only one way to be a disciple. Here it is, Acts 17, verse 29. This is Paul speaking to the Greeks on, uh, in Athens. He says, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image made by man's design and skill. He's talking to them about their idolatry. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to what? What does he command people everywhere to do? Repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Everybody say Jesus. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So in summary, John the Baptist preached repent. Jesus preached repent. Paul preached repent. Paul, uh, Peter preached repent. What do you think you and I should preach? That's our message. Now somewhere we've lost it. We've lost it in, like I said, seven steps to your better life now and your purpose-driven life. Somewhere we've lost it between $17.99 for a free bottle of holy water plus shipping and handling. We have lost the message somewhere between magical wafers and, and grape juice and someone putting it in our mouth and kitchen a statue's foot. We have forgot what the man talked about in the Bible. They were about repentance. They were about calling you and I to change. If we are Christians, we ought to live like Christians. And those that aren't Christians ought to repent and become Christians. That's it. And I know today, in a world of supposed tolerance, this is an intolerant view. But I don't care what they call it. It's Christ's view. Amen? And if God is for me, I'd rather Him be on my side and the world against me than have the world for me and have God against me. If loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right, like they used to say. Are you all listening? I was at Belmont and Clark yesterday. Can we talk to you about Jesus? And people would walk by, F Jesus, and they would stick up their finger. That's the world we live in today. Rational Response Squad has made an effort on YouTube, one of the biggest uh, genres of this generation, and has started something called the Blasphemy Challenge. It's where you deny God, you curse out God, and you show this world that you hate God. Over a million people have denied God in America. Are you listening? We are living in a generation that wants to tolerate a man changing into a woman and teaching our children, but they won't tolerate you bringing your Bible to work. Hello? We are living in a world that wants to tolerate murder of innocent children, but you and I can't get up here and talk about the sins and tell people about a literal hell. Then we're the bad guys. We start talking about hell. Now we get labeled as hate mongers. We get labeled as people that are intolerant. But the truth is they thought the same of Jesus. Hello, you don't crucify somebody you love. A lot of people hated Jesus. But I thank God for those that accepted him and received him. Do you know that Peter himself was crucified? And when they were crucifying him and killing him, he said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. Do me upside down. And they put the cross upside down and he died. Paul himself was killed in a Roman jail because he was arrested for causing a riot. You see, today in America, our gospel goes along too well with our culture. 
You see, if you look at the culture, what's the culture about now? Amassing wealth. Look at the infomercials. Amass wealth. Be rich now. Work your own hours. And then watch a Bible commercial. Watch TBN and a Christian commercial. What's the same thing? Amass wealth. Have material items. Have everything you need in life. We are now selling and pitching the same message as the world. Jesus didn't come to be like the world. He came to be himself, and he came to change the world. See, you and I are not to be like the world. We're to come here and change the world. If you don't sit, if you don't make a decision to stand and change the world, the world will change you. You will find yourself talking like Oprah Winfrey. We were watching her the other day. And, uh, you know, these are just icons of our culture today. And she herself has Stedman as her boyfriend, and they do what, you know, you should only do with married people. And here she's talking to people who are married. And I begin to think to myself, what a hypocrite. We listen to a woman that hasn't chosen marriage, chooses to live in adultery, but yet she wants to promote family to us in this American culture. No, if we were living like Oprah Winfrey, we would all be damned to hell right now. There needs to raise up a standard in America where people start living like Jesus Christ again. That needs to be our standard. Not Dr. Phil, not our musicians, not our sports uh, players, not your boss. We are to live up to Christ. Let's learn today about this message, amen? And let me say this real quick. There is a group of people known as Westboro Baptist Church that go and protest uh, people's funerals and say God hates homosexuals. And you see, they, they, they try to make this judgment message repulsive. That's not us. Jesus didn't come and say, I hate you. I'm glad you died. No, Jesus wasn't like those crazy people. See, the devil wants to use them so that the media hears us as a church. They say, oh, you're like them. And that's what those people don't understand. They are allowing the media in this world to lump us together with them because they're hate mongers. The Ku Klux Klan is hate mongers. Are you listening to me? These type of people you hear protesting funerals, they are hate mongers. They will burn in hell themselves if they do not repent. But Jesus Christ had a message that was balanced, and we're going to learn that message. It wasn't that he hates the world and he came to smite and, and you know, set it on fire and burn everybody. He wants us to go to heaven. Look at your name and say, God loves you. I mean, that's the point. Amen? All right, turn with me now, or just look up here. Number one, why do we repent? Why is God so interested in us repenting? It's so that we might receive the kingdom of God. The first reason we repent is not because we're afraid we're going to become a human barbecue. It's not like I looked at God one day, and I was scared, and I was shaking, and I was like, oh, Lord, don't send me to hell. Don't send me to hell. I love you, Jesus. That's not how I came to Jesus. That's, that's not how your neighbor, if anybody here is a Christian in this church, I know most testimonies. That's not how any of these people came to Jesus. It's not how you came to Christ. We came to Christ because the message says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. There's something different on this planet worth living for than just what you see. The kingdom of this earth is just the material things. Even our families are material, and these things pass away. And Jesus is saying, repent of your sins so that you can receive a kingdom that never passes away. So that you can receive something greater than just what you have. How many people know there's something greater in life than a paycheck? How many know that? And if you love your children as a mother or father, how many people know there has to be a greater love than that? And the Bible talks about that this relationship that God wants with us is the first purpose of mankind that there is a purpose why you and I are here 
And a lot of people today want to say, no, I don't believe in a God because I don't see a God. But do they see love? They don't see love. Have you ever saw love in a jar, bought it at $1.99, gave it to your husband or wife and said, I love you, here it is, drink this? Love doesn't come in a jar, but they know it's real. And we as Christians know that we have a soul on the inside of us. And that God wants us to connect with him and that we may have his kingdom. We were not created to live on this earth the way it is now. We were created in a perfect state known as the Garden of Eden. But it was our choice that brought the evil and damnation here. And Jesus, loving us the way he did, did not leave us that way. He came to change us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everyone say everlasting life. Thank you. Jesus Christ came not to condemn the world but to save the world. The word repentance means to change one's mind. It means to feel sorrow for sin and to change one's actions. So as you and I begin to hear about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, don't steal, don't lust, you know, and all these other things, forgive your enemies, don't be bitter, don't be envious. When we find out, and all of us have done these things, is there anybody perfect here today? Amen. Do we need to have you come up, sit on the magical chair here, and put a little wreath around you and come uh, throw flowers at your feet? Is anybody here perfect yet? So we all sinned, right? So we're all in life doing things we know are wrong. And we we try to change. Some of us try to better ourselves. But we can't make ourselves perfect. We can't totally change to become like God. And the Bible says repentance is our way to come back to God even as a sinner. You see, when I was 18 years old, high school dropout, drugs in my pocket, November 5th, 1995, I couldn't change myself. I I couldn't go to a 12-step program. Maybe I could have gotten off drugs, but that wouldn't have stopped my self-loathing. I hated myself, and yet at the same time, I was vain. And at the same time, I disobeyed my parents. You see, my, my problem wasn't just that I had little issues of sin. My problem was I was a sinner. And the problem with my wife before she met Christ wasn't that she just had boyfriends that she wasn't supposed to have because she never drank and did the things I did. But her problem was that she was a sinner. There were times that she told lies. There were times she disobeyed her parents. And living that way would result in damnation. So repentance, now listen to me, my friends, is actually not a bad word. Repentance is actually a good word. It's actually saying, hey, you're in this direction going the wrong way. I'm saying to you, Jesus is saying, repent and turn to me, and I'll give you the kingdom of God. You see, we think of repentance like God is damning us. No, repentance is our way of forgiveness. It's a way of God saying, I'm giving you another chance. That's why repentance was their message. You see, it would be like me trying to go to a place downtown, and I'm heading west right down here on diversity, and I meet somebody, and and I'm like, hey, man, how close am I, you know, to to, to Landry's Steakhouse? And they're like, dude, you're going the total opposite direction. You need to change your direction, turn around, and go the other way. How many know I'm not going to look at the guy and go, you're judging me? You can't judge me. You're not better. Th- I bet you've made wrong turns in your life. You can't judge me. We, we're all bad drivers. No. I look at him and I say, thank you. I want to turn around. I want to go downtown. And you see, when someone preaches to us, repent, we shouldn't look at them and go, oh, you're a sinner too. I know you're a sinner. Yes, we're all sinners. But we can all turn towards God and get the kingdom of God. Isn't that what we want? 
Isn't that what Jesus came to give us? He said, repent, because here's the kingdom. Here's where you live. How many of you know adultery is not a good thing? Lying is not a good thing. All of these things, he said, thou shalt not do, actually work for our benefit. Amen? And you can see what happens in a society when they choose not to obey those commandments. People can say all the reasons of why we are the way we are. But just look back just to the 1950s. Did we have metal detectors in our schools? No. Did we have children at the age of 11 in junior high schools taking birth control? Did we have uh, pornography as rampant as we do now? Did we have those things? Yeah, we had problems. But just look at the difference just in 50 years of what happens when we keep going in the wrong direction. Are you all listening? Everybody say repent. It's a good thing. Now turn with me in your Bibles, please. Oh, let me show you this. Let me show you this. See, here it is. Number one, we're separated from God. That's the way it is because of Adam and Eve. We can't reach God. Number two, we try to reach God. Well, I'm going to feed the poor. I'm going to give to good way, a united way. I'm going to give to goodwill. Our attempts to reach God fail. If the Pope doesn't come to Jesus, his attempts will fail. Gandhi's attempts. Every person has to realize on this life will never be good enough because good enough in God's eyes is perfect. And one sin disqualifies everyone. So it doesn't matter how much we try to make up in life, we're still not good enough. Because some of us think life is like a, a scale. And when we get up to heaven, if we've done more good than we've done bad, we think we get in. That's not the truth of Christianity. That is actually a Muslim philosophy that teaches you have an angel and a demon following you around. Like the old cartoons, the, the good guy and the bad guy on your shoulder whispering. That is a Muslim philosophy. The Christian philosophy is nothing you do will ever make up for one sin unless there's the shedding of blood. Forgiveness cannot come. That's why then we go to the next point. Jesus Christ alone, not our good works, not church. Jesus alone, not a priest, not a denomination. Jesus alone joins us back to God. Can you say amen? We all come to Christ as sinners. Lord, bring me back to my Father. Jesus came to this earth to bring us back to God. He reached one hand into gutter to the worst of humanity and the other one of glo to glory, and he brought us back together. Amen. He made a bridge between sinful man and a holy God. Can you say amen? And then now you have to ask yourself that question. Where are you? Are you still in this place of separation from God? You may be a good person. Somebody said, I don't need Jesus to make me smile. That's right. You don't need Jesus to tie your shoes. You don't need Jesus to get in the car. But you do need Jesus to get into eternal heaven, amen, to the eternal kingdom of God. You can smile all you want down here and be rebellious, but when you're, you die and your eternal soul is before God, only thing getting you in is Jesus, amen? Where are you today? That's why I want to start off personally. Where are you and me? I would say today I am with Christ, and I am today reunited with God. I would hope that you are, because if not, then personally you need to repent. Amen? And let's keep going. Now I want to show you some scriptures about repentance. Romans 4, 17 through 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved of men. So what is the kingdom of God? What does the kingdom of God really translate to? Why do we repent? What are we wanting to receive in the kingdom of God? The Bible says righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's all say it together. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You repent and say, God, I'm changing. I'm coming to you. You know what he does? He begins to make you righteous. 
Joe didn't change himself. You can't change yourself. God changes you. You become righteous. He then gives something that this world can never give you. He gives you peace. How many know the peace of God passes all understanding? There's nothing like the peace of God. There's nothing like the peace of God, friend. That is the kingdom of God. It's when you're going through troubles, the whole world around you is freaking out. You may lose a family member. Everybody around you is freaking out, but you're still at peace. You're not questioning the whole meaning of life. You can be at peace. I remember when my sister died. My other uh, sister and brother turned the alcohol, lost their minds, just got themselves deeper in a pit of despair. But my mother, my own mother who lost her daughter, just kept walking forward because she was at peace with God. And I've met as a pastor... Women who have lost their children 40 years later, still taking depression medication, still dealing with anguish. And my mom was set free from the pain because she walked in the peace of God. You see, it's the peace that passes understanding. Why do you think so many people today take Lunesta, sleeping aids? We are on more depression medication and sleeping medication than any other culture at any time. Why? Because people are not at peace with themselves. They don't know how to rest in God's presence and go to bed and call it a day and then wake up. And then the third thing, have joy. See, this is the kingdom. What does the kingdom of God come down to? Righteousness, what? Peace and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. I repent and come to God and say, Lord, I need your spirit. Give me righteousness. Give me peace and give me joy. That's the result of the kingdom of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings what? What does it bring? You ever seen somebody crying and weeping over the problems in their life, but it brings no uh, joy. It just brings them more sorrow. The Bible actually says if you repent of your sins and you weep before God, that actually brings you life. I remember the first day I got saved, all of my regrets. Anybody ever had regrets in life? Anybody ever did something that just gave them a guilty conscience? All of those things in my life, I was weeping over at my couch in my house, just weeping over the money that I had stolen, the crimes that I committed. But the difference between me and a country song, a guy with a tear and a beer at a bar stool, the difference between me and that person was that God was giving me joy through those tears. You see, you and I, when we come and repent before God and we say, Lord, I broke your heart, and you begin to see how you've lived through the eyes of Christ. The Bible says those tears don't bring you depression. We're not depressed after many of us came up here today and prayed. We're filled with God's joy. It brings us to salvation, and it leaves no regret. Everybody say, I'm forgiven. Come on, say it like you're up this morning. Say, I'm forgiven. Amen. And look at Romans 2, 4. It says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, everybody say God's kindness, leads us towards repentance. You know, you know what brings me, to, you know what brought me to repentance? It wasn't a preacher yelling at me going, you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in hell with the devil. You're going to be there with Marilyn Manson. Ah, that wasn't what brought me to Christ. That wasn't what brought you to Christ, amen. What brought us to Christ was God's kindness. It was me sitting at the table with my mother, 18 years old, on drugs, and my mother saying, Jesus still loves you, Joe. Jesus will forgive you. 
The things you've done are despicable, but God will give you another chance at life. God knew that I could be a preacher. God knew that I could be happily married one day. And you see, God looks at us and he says, Adolfo, I've seen your drinking. I've seen you hate me and get upset because you've lost my father, but I'm drawing you towards myself because I love you. You see, God wants to reach out his hand and say, I'm here for you. And it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And we say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done. And God, I know I broke your heart, but Lord, I want you so bad and your kingdom. And it's through his kindness we feel his love and his joy and his righteousness. God is a good God. Amen. People want to make him out to be an angry, wrath-filled God. No, if you read the Bible, the Bible says that he could have been full of wrath, but he himself came in the form of man and took the wrath. You might say, oh, pastor, why did Jesus die? Why Jesus died was because someone had to pay the price for your sin. It didn't matter if you sinned once or a hundred times. A price had to be paid. It's like a man given the death penalty for something that he did knowing was wrong. And he's there about ready to receive the death penalty. He's being judged. And an innocent person walks over and says, no, judge, set this one free. Let me take the punishment. Jesus did that for us. I don't see how people can read the Bible and miss that. They see him as a wrath-filled God. No, he's a God full of mercy and kindness. He's saying, I wish that none would perish. He loves us. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Repent and come to the kingdom of God. Oh, y'all got quiet. Somebody say, repent and come to the kingdom of God. Amen. See, now you're starting to preach. Turn with me to Luke, please. If you're having a good time in church, can you say amen? Praise God. We came here to learn the word. You all learned something about Jesus. Amen. Now, if you want to get those other books, you can go to Barnes and Noble and find those. But here at Metro Praise, we preach that Bible. Amen. If you have questions, that's all right. Talk to us after service. That's why I do the webcast. Get on your computer in the privacy of your home. You can ask me any questions you want. You can say, well, what does God love homosexuals? Absolutely he does, but he judges their sin. They need to repent and come to the kingdom. God never intended them to live that way. Does God love me even though I've cheated on my husband? I've had that question. Yes, ma'am, God loves you. Repent and come to his kingdom. How many can understand? That's the basis of the message. That's what Jesus began to preach. That's what John preached. That's what Peter preached. That is what Paul preaches. And by God's grace, that's what we preach. Amen? That's what we preach here. And it's not a bad word, and it's not out of fear we ask you to come to Christ. We ask you to come to him because of his kindness. His kindness will bring you to repentance. Look with me to Luke 13. And now, second, we repent so that we will not perish. You'd say, well, pastor, I thought you told us we don't come for that reason. The first reason is we come for the goodness. But you and I need to be very serious now as Christians that Jesus was not the cherry on top of our life, all right? It wasn't like, you know, hey, if you didn't accept Jesus and become a religious fanatic, you know, you were going to be okay anyway because you're not a bad person, right? Like we think when we get to heaven, God's going to give us a hand clap because we didn't murder or molest children. It's like, oh, man, you were the best. You didn't kill anybody. Come on in. I got a place right here for you. I always talk to people on the, on the streets. Are you living for God and all this? No, 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 I don't need to do all that. Why? Because I'm a good person. What makes you a good person? Do you feed the poor, lay down your life in mission fields and all that? No, I'm a good person because I don't kill anybody. How many think that's a pretty lame definition of a good person? How many people know if I walked up to you and said I'm a good person because I don't kill anybody, would you be impressed with me? 
you like tap me on the head and say, good job, son. Now you're evolving from the Neanderthal state of just mass murder. Let's get you to be an effective human being. Now how about feeding the poor and the hungry? But listen, even those good things don't make us good without Christ. Are you all getting my point? But now we are Christians and we say, God, you brought us because of your loving kindness. I've repented and I've turned towards you. But now there's this element that needs to enter the Christian's life. It's called the fear of God. It's an understanding that as a Christian, that sin is not a joke. Sin is not a game. It's not like you all go out this week, sin all you want like it's a shopping spree, and come here and Jesus pays the bills, okay? It's not like that. It's not like you go, hey, man, you know what? I'm married. I got a pretty good wife, but I like this woman at work, and you know what? I got this Jesus card at the church I go to, man. I'll tell you what. I can have this little affair, little something on the side, and I'll just come Sunday and, and, and give my bill to Jesus, and he'll pay it off for me. He'll just, yeah, you're forgiven. You're an adulterer. You're forgiven. Go ahead. You see, people think like that, don't they? They may not say that, but some of you here think like that. The idea is I can sin because I get, a, I get the get-out-of-hell-free card from Jesus, right? So I can sin and I can do whatever I want. As long as I just come up here, pray a little prayer, you know, someone tells me I'm forgiven, I just go right back out my way. No, 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 no. We come to Jesus out of his love for us, but now that we're here, we begin to respect him. Amen? How many know that your parents loved you, but if you didn't obey them, you might get a little spanking every now and then? Amen? And I know that they call that child abuse today, but I thank God for the belt coming off with my parents. Amen? I looked at my mom the other day, and she said, son, I didn't spank you enough. I'm like, I think you did, mama. You did. Trust me, you did. You see, I love my parents. And I know my dad loved me, but when he said, clean the yard, and, I, and he came back home, if I would say to him, and he would say, well, the yard's not clean, and I would say, dad, I didn't kill anybody. Dad, you know what? I was thinking about robbing somebody, but I didn't. My dad wouldn't give me a hand clap. My dad would say, son, you have not done what I've asked you to do. And then I would receive some type of punishment. Listen to me. Life is not a game. Life is about choosing or rejecting God. And when you and I continually say to God, oh, no, I don't have to do that. I'll make my own definition up. And you go and waste time and do what you want. You need to also understand this, that avoiding repentance and letting God change your life results in perishing. That is the other side of the story. Can you say amen? Remember I said I was going to talk about the balance today? If you look at the cross, one thing on this side is the kindness. The other thing... It's the judgment. We come first to the kindness, but we also need to be aware of this right here. On judgment day, Jesus is not having, you know, a little affirmation time, like a little job, little review, like, hey, Bell, you know, you did, a, you did pretty good this quarter. You can maybe up sales a little bit. No, judgment day is, have you lived for me, yes or no? And if you haven't, you depart into everlasting fire. That's the Bible truth. Amen? Let's look at what Jesus said. How may, help me say this. Jesus, teach me something. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor... We just need Jesus. All right, let's look at what Jesus said. Now, I've got to skip to another gospel, Luke, here. But we're getting the point today. From that time on, Matthew said Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Let's see if he kept doing that. This is Luke 13. This is later in his life. Look at verse 1. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will what? Oh, see, Jesus said that. He said, unless you repent, you too will what? Perish. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying right here. The people who were in Galilee 
were innocent people that Pilate killed on his pagan holiday. These Romans hated Jewish people. And these Jewish people who were living in Galilee were just worshiping God. Pilate is celebrating a pagan holiday. And Pilate says, you have no right to worship your God in my nation. So he went over to the Jewish people, brought them to his pagan, uh, his pagan temple, and he slaughtered them in the temple and mixed their blood with the blood of animals. Jesus said, do you think that those Galileans suffered that way because they were sinners? He's using an example. He's saying, do you think that the only type of people that are going to suffer in this life are bad people? Everybody get what I'm saying here? Those people were probably good people. They probably loved their parents. They probably loved their children. And what Jesus' illustration is, but yet a wicked person still came and killed them. They perished. And now Jesus is saying, I'm now making the correlation to you and with my God. Father, if you don't repent, no matter how good you think you are, you can perish. Hello? Oh, hello. Come on, somebody. That would be like me saying, do you think the people, it it, it would touch the nerve just like how this did. Do you think the people who died in 9-11 were worse than you and me? My friends, if you do not repent, you will perish, but not for uh, just a moment, but for eternity. Jesus is serious. This is not Barney Jesus here. This is not Jesus playing around, laughing and giggling. Jesus is pointing to a tragedy of where innocent people died. And he says, you may feel you are that innocent, but God will judge you severely. God is a just God. He knows our sins. And I know we come to him in repentance as his church, but you've got to understand your friends If they have not repented, it doesn't matter how good they are, they will perish. But I tell you, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, as if they didn't get the point, how many got the point already? Can you say amen? Watch Jesus tell it again with another story. Are those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. Here innocent people were in a tower. The tower collapsed. They died. He says you may feel you are innocent. You may feel you have done nothing wrong, but in God's eyes you have, and you will perish. But for eternity, how many can say repent or perish? That's what Jesus taught us. Now I want you to look to 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Here's Peter the apostle again. We know that he preached in the book of Acts, repent. But here's his epistle, which means a letter to the churches that he was over as a pastor. Listen to what he taught his people. Look at what Peter taught them. See, this is the part that the church gets real quiet. Amen. <laughs> this is where it gets all quiet. and You can just hear the rustling of the pages now. I told you we're going to bring it both ways. It's not that he was just, you know, skipping through the garden with us. And at the same time, he wasn't just damning us all to hell. There was a balance. There was the Jesus who came to the woman who was caught in adultery. And the Jewish people wanted to stone her. And and then Jesus said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And they all walked away. Remember that? And then he said to the woman, where's your accusers? And she says, there's no one, my Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. Right? There was the forgiveness. He says, neither do I condemn you. What you did was bad, but I don't, I don't condemn you. But what was his next sentence? But go and what? Sin no more. 
You see the balance? Jesus says, Dito, oh, I love you. You know, you, you were looking at pornography, but I don't condemn you. And then what's the next thing he says to us? Hey, but don't go and sin anymore. Make a change. Change your mind. Begin to live differently. Don't keep going west when you need to go east. Hey, I forgive you, but don't sin anymore. Here is Jesus teaching us innocent people can die and perish, just like people in this world can feel they're innocent and die and perish. And here Peter says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, somebody said the last days, last days, thank you, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. How many know we're living in those last days? Peter started off on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago saying the last days has started now. Now, I want everyone to think about this. This is pretty deep. This will blow your mind. This is great. The last days started 2,000 years ago. What time do you think we're in now? We are in the last minutes, last seconds of the last day, right? Now, as you're going to learn right here in verse 8, that with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. If 2,000 years of human history have passed by, but the illustration to, or the example about God looking at, at a thousand years is just a day, in God's mind, it's only been what? Two days. When did Jesus rise? On the third day, right? Right now, starting the third millennium after Christ, because the first was A.D. to 1,000. That's the first millennium. Then two, uh, 1,000 to 2,000. Now we are starting the third millennium after Christ. He rose on what day? The third day in a 1,000 years is like what to God? A day. I believe we are now in the last day, and Jesus is coming back. Somebody say amen. Some of you all might get that a little later. Get the tape. Amen. Hopefully some of you got it. Though. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. For ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. The Bible says in the last days, people are going to look at you and I as Christians going, hey, when did Jesus say he was coming back? Didn't he say he would come back sometime? Well, we don't see him anymore. And your pastor, didn't your dad live and say he was going to come back in his generation? And, and he died and he didn't come back. Everybody's been living and dying and nothing has really changed. Where's Jesus? People are going to begin to scoff. And isn't that what we hear right now? Oh, Jesus is not coming back. It's been 2,000 years. This man was just telling stories. That was just a myth. Everything is going to keep on going the way it is. We're going to keep on evolving. And this is all that there's ever going to be. It says that will happen. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction. Of who? Everybody say ungodly men. The Bible says they forget about Noah's flood. About 4,000 B.C., Noah said, God's going to judge this world. You guys are living in sin. Men are having sex with men like they do with women. And God said, I'm going to send a flood. He gave Noah 100 years to build an ark, and he took two of every kind into that ark. And that's a beautiful thing if you want to study. And God then sent a flood. And now you see today the earth as a result of the flood, the Grand Canyons and all of the different things that we have. And the Bible says that the people forget that at one time this world suffered a flood. Do you know that a hundred of the world's cultures, the major cultures of the world, all have stories of a worldwide flood and they never knew each other? Do you know that cultures in, uh, in, in Abor the Aborigines in Australia have the same story as the American Indians, that there was once a flood that flooded the whole land? 
and only one family survived. The same story has been told, and now people forget. And now Jesus is going to come again, this time not by water, but by what? Everybody say fire. Look at verse 8. But do not forget this one thing. So he's now going to teach us. Peter, living 2,000 years ago, is going to teach us how to get on God's calendar. Because we think of years being long, but God is going to teach, uh, Peter's going to teach us how God looks at it. Don't forget this one thing. Okay, Peter, I won't forget it. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So if only 2,000 years have passed by, how many days in God's calendar have passed by? Two days. Now look what it says, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to what? He doesn't want anyone to what? To perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some people might say, Pastor, why hasn't he come back? You know why? Because if he would have came back 12 years ago, I wouldn't have got in. I know some of you wouldn't have got in. Jesus is waiting to come back so that everyone has a chance to repent. That's why today this earth's population is the largest it's ever been at 6 billion. In Jesus' name, is most popular than it's ever been. And right now in China, millions of Christians are converting. Why? Because Jesus Christ does not want them to perish. He wants them to be saved. Amen. If people say, why doesn't God judge this world? Because when he comes, he comes and destroys wicked men. He wants them to be saved. He's a good God. He could have judged the world way back when. Then we would have been in a dilemma. What would have happened to us? We never might have been born and had the chance to know him. God in his divine sovereignty had seen the world as one big picture, and he's allowed all to be born that he wants to be born so that everyone can choose or reject him. I myself have chosen to receive him. I've repented, and I've accepted the kingdom of God. How many here have repented? Amen? Let us wait for God's kingdom and enjoy it while we're on this earth. Would you stand up with me today? Man, would you come? Come on, let's end in prayer. How many are glad you came to church? Can you give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you today, God, that you wish that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God, we learn today through Jesus Christ, your Son, that repentance is not a bad word. That repentance is a good thing. It's an opportunity for us to change. It's an opportunity for us to get your kingdom some righteousness, some joy, some peace. And Lord, today I pray for everyone in this congregation that if they themselves have not repented and come to you and made a decision to live for you, I pray they do that now. In the name of Jesus, with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you come to this church today and you have not made it right with God, we don't need to make a long list of sins for you. I think you know what a sin is. My question to you is, do you want to repent today and come to God? You might say to yourself, but I don't know if I can quit sinning. Well, just repent and come to Him. He'll take care of the righteousness. You can't do it on your own. Of course you and I can't. He'll take care of that. I didn't become righteous before I got forgiven. I became righteous after I repented and was forgiven. Hallelujah. If you came here today and you're just saying, Pastor, I want to repent. I hear the message today and I want to repent. All you have to do is just raise your hands right now and begin to repent. A repentance prayer will sound something like, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And you begin to 
list those things you've done. And then begin to ask Him to come into your heart. Come on. I want to give you a chance to repent. If you need to be born again, the Bible says when you repent, you become born again. That's by the Spirit. If that needs to happen, that will happen right now. Come on, if you need to be born again, just repent. Say, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I'm tired of going west when I need to be going east. Hallelujah. Come on, here. who today needs to repent and be born again? John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. Peter said it. Paul said it. And today you hear another pastor saying, just repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Glory. Now I'm going to invite the Christians that are in this place. If there's things in your life that you know you ought not to be doing, even though as a Christian you know that you're saved, but you don't want to live that old lifestyle, you don't want to live being the old person, you want to live like the way God made you to live. And you're struggling with the old and the new. You're struggling between righteousness and wickedness. You know, the old way and the new way. All you have to do is right now just raise your hands and say, Lord, forgive me and teach me to live for you. Come on. We as Christians ought to never stop repenting. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The Bible says in 1 John that he's always faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to forgive those that have pure hearts that truly desire to change. This is not using God as a get-out-of-hell-free card. This is asking God to change because you want to be like Him. Come on, hands raised. Banners begin to play right now. A song about repentance. Come on. Jesus, we're going to repent a little bit today. Give God five minutes before we leave out here today. Jesus. Jesus. Yes, we are. I'm accepted because you were condemned. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Come on, let's sing that part again. Come on, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord. And I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive and well. The Spirit is within me. Come on, amazing love. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing it together. How can it be? That you might Amazing love. Amazing love. I know it's true. No, it's true. It's my joy. And all that I do in all. Amazing love from the beginning. Come on, amazing love. We love you, Jesus. 
Bible says that godly sorrow that brings repentance brings life. Today, I hope that you have been born again, if that was the condition you came into our church. Not because a preacher yelled at you and threatened you, but because you saw the kindness of God, that He wanted to change the direction of your life here on earth and your eternal life after you leave this earth. I hope today that Christians, you have joined me and and my family and that you have repented and just continue to ask God to change you. And what a joy it is to be changed. Amen. Every day being more and more like Christ, talking more like Him, acting more like Him, forgiving those who hurt us like Him. Glory to God. Now I want you to see this scripture in closing today. 2 Corinthians 7.14, it says, If my people, see that's us today, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's that word repent. If they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. So that means he don't hear us until we do that. But then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. That's what's happened here. And then he will heal their land. I want us to believe today that Jesus Christ can heal Chicago.